When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Cyberpunk Uncensored, and I am Rob Mulligan. Today's episode is all about building campaigns around roles. And today, I have a special guest with me. You probably already know him, and it's my buddy Eric. What's up, man? Hey, Rob. Good to hear from you again. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. Hell yeah. Yeah, so anybody listening, I'm sure you're familiar. Uh, Eric's been on multiple episodes of the podcast, also on the live streams on the Mulligan Live channel, you know, playing the Cyberpunk Red campaign ongoing. And hell, we were doing that months ago when we were doing the hybrid version too, uh, before we got the advanced copy of the Red Rules. But um, but yeah, uh, me and Eric have been quickly becoming friends through Cyberpunk, and uh, he's kind of uh, an unofficial or official co-host of the podcast with how many times you've been on here and have helped me with it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I love having you back. But let's I just it. make a good sounding board for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you help a lot with, uh, you know, the game, too. I really appreciate that. A lot of people, you know, they see you play and, you know, you're a great role player. Like you do a great job in the game. I loved, uh, you know, playing with the past characters and up to now and just, you know, seeing you play in other games. Like when we were we were both doing the kind of one shots with John's camp, you know, campaigns and stuff. But a lot of people don't know, you know, you also have a GM background. You know, you've been a game master for a long time and. I appreciate that side too because you've helped me a lot with, uh, you know, different tables and, and things that I've been able to use um, in the game. Plus, with ideas with the game, like you know, I've definitely bounced ideas off of you, and you've come up with some great alternatives and great like kind of different angles and things. And it's always good to have other minds thinking on things. And um, yeah, I, lo- I love chatting with you about all that sort of stuff. You're really good at it. Yeah, I'm glad I have no help, bud. Oh yeah. So let's get into today's episode about you know which is basically building campaigns around roles um and that's not to say that you know any campaign is just one role specific because as you know the way i run it and you've probably run it in a lot of people you know you'll you'll bend it around a role but then you'll drop in little you know easter eggs and things that can kind of appeal to other roles and might lead into side missions because it is an open world anything can happen but um but a lot of times you know a campaign might have like one particular role in mind and it might not be the one that the campaign is built around whether they're getting hired for a gig or something comes up, but you definitely c- kind of have a role in mind when you structure a campaign, or maybe you don't and you want to, but um, that's what we can kind of discuss here, and I think it's a great subject. Uh, which role do you want to start with? I was thinking uh, maybe starting with the solo, since that's one of the more popular ones and kind of, I don't know. I would say that would probably be the easiest one to build most campaigns around, because solos are very straightforward in what they do, I think. Yeah, it's like there's, that's what there's I was not thinking. a lot of leeway of like, well, the solo is going to be the face of the group. Right. Rarely does that ever happen unless your solo is just a pure bully. And I don't know anyone who really wants to play the character just like that. That'd get very boring very quickly in most of these campaigns. Yeah, no, and I think the solo is easiest as well when it, it's you know when it comes to cyberpunk because cyberpunk is such a dangerous world. You know, it's such a dangerous genre and you know how night city is and stuff it's just 
it's easy because, like you said, you know what a solo is all about, and they're and you know they're even when they have different layers to the character, they they still are the combat one. You know, they're they're typically the one that's skilled with a weapon or melee or martial arts or whatever they're doing. Um, and and cyberpunk is dangerous. It's easy to kind of slip those campaigns, whether they have to, you know, do an assassination or defend somebody or even just going along on a campaign that's maybe based around another character, there's always going to be a moment where, you know, something might get dangerous or violent and that's the solo steps in. It's perfect. You know? Yeah. I want to say like for the majority of the 2020 expansions and rule books, like a huge portion of the characters were sort of like, even though they made brand new roles, they still had a lot of influence from the solo. I think like the home, home of the brave or land of the free book that had like all military jobs which felt very just solo but tied to the uh military roles yeah well no like tied to the military roles like they would talk about like what a marine skill sets were and they were essentially just all solos but just a deeper dive in them and i think that the solos have like been really instrumental like on the cover you have solo of 2020 you had a solo there right like morgan blackhand is probably one of the most outside of johnny Silverhand, the more popular characters. So, like, I want to say Cyberpunk. Who? I think you cut out there. I think your mic cut out. It got. Well, got... really built on solo because oh, it really wait, kind wait, of. Wait one second. I think your your mic cut out there for a second. I just didn't want to miss anything that you said. It, it's a little bit hot. It was coming in a little loud, and then it like cut out uh, for just uh, maybe ten seconds. Renner doesn't like what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, where, where it left off, I think, uh, and maybe it's only on my end. I apologize, anybody listening, but I think we were talking about how popular solos are, you know, like other than Johnny Silverhand, Morgan Blackhand, both of them with different hand colors. and But, you know, they're kind of the most uh, famous of the lore and characters, you know? Yeah, but I think that's a lot easier for people coming from other genres like steampunk or D&D, other systems entirely. They have a character, they can already know what it does. That's like true. this is the combat character. This is my like barbarian or my if I really want to play him like my rogue or archer, all yeah, tied yeah. into one. It just depends on them. Yeah, this is the. And fun, I think that's the, the easiest fighter. character to get into for yeah, especially yeah. new players. Yeah, you can look at it like this is the fighter. This is my tank. You know, like yeah. when you're playing D anD D, you have like the tank character. You know, the one that's gonna fight and take the hits, and like usually that's a solo. Although I will say, like, you know, red is very balanced in in uh, reality in the sense that. People aren't too far off with their hit points because of the fact it's that chart now where it's not just body-based, it's also will-based, and you can kind of, you know, have more of a balance where I feel like it's it more relies on skills, in which case, like, then again, a solo, like, maybe no one is able to take any more hits than others, so to speak, you know, but a solo can evade more typically and can deal more damage because of their skills and in, in what they put it in. Um, but uh, but I still love it, and and it's definitely, like you said, one of the more easier roles to build campaigns around because, I mean, even if you're short on time and can't come up with like a deep twisting story with a couple layers to it or options to go on tangents, you can always throw together a quick combat game, you know? Oh, yeah. And solos really just sort of, they navigate the combat so well, especially in red now with the new rules they're implementing. It gives, you can have an entire team of solos, but they could all play so very differently. Oh, like everything from the doing from martial arts to the different kind of weapons and the abilities, you have a huge variety. You have the expendables when it comes to solos now. 
like you know, everything would be different. A, that's a great point. What you just said too is like, man, you could make a whole team of solos when it comes to red, and it will be so much different than you know comparatively. Like if you tried to do that in 2020 or one of the other uh, you know systems of, of cyberpunk, but it, in red, it's like, man, you could have like you know four different solos, and when they enter combat, they kind of allocate their points into different uh, subcategories, which is how the combat sense works now, obviously. But, um, yeah, you could totally have like different styles of solo, which I do love. Like, I love that characters can be like, and it's not just solos, as we know, like in red, like you could totally have a team of, you know, (laughs) techs and this and that, like, and they could, one could drop a little skill in a combat, but when it comes to teching, they kind of put their points or most of their focus on different aspects of it. You know, like a lot of them have those subcategories, which is cool. Yeah, and that's not even talking about just the solos life paths. From right there, you have a lot of different variation of what those solos ultimate goals are. Of yeah. whether they're gonna be bodyguards, like enforcers for the mob, hitmen, assassins, or just what their ultimate goals individually are. You can have an entire team of solos that are working together, but they're gonna shoot each other by the end of the mission. Yeah, and that totally uh plays into how you can build your campaign. Like we're talking about, you know, building a campaign around roles well with the solo it's like you can easily just look at the solos you know character build and ho- hopefully uh if you're listening to this i did a whole uh game master tips episode about session zero but like if you go through session zero you'll know the character's life path and they're kind of where their skills lie or you know check them out and then you build your campaign around that you know you can look at what the what the solo specifics are like you said if it's a bodyguard or this and that and that can totally give you direction towards the campaign that gives them a little bit of motivation or something to relate to with that character. Ooh, you're cut out. I don't know if you can hear me, but you're cut out again. Um, see if you build can... a session. I think building around them can be difficult. You, you cut out again. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I hope sorry, I, it's probably my internet. Yeah. I hope it's just on my side, but if you can lower the volume of your mic, it might just be cutting out because it seems like it peaks and then it cuts. But I, I apologize again, if anybody's listening and, uh, you're hearing it perfectly, and I'm just annoying the shit out of you because it's only on my end. <laughs> but yeah, um, take it back just like 10 seconds of, of uh, whatever you said so I, I make sure we didn't miss anything. I was saying that I think for a solo, you can, like, we, just looking at the action movies from the 80s, there are tons of influence for building an entire campaign around solos. Of uh, Just uh, like Commando is the first one that comes to mind. You have that sort of perfect special forces character like retrieving his daughter yeah that's yeah. an entire solo story yeah that's and a he great find a few like back a few side characters to support him and solos have been like they've been in implemented in a lot of the uh the literature too um i want to say neuromancer had molly millions i think her name was i know she changed it a few times over the course of the books but she was the she was the main character solo there, and she's also in Johnny Mnemonic, one of the yeah. other books for Gibson. And she was probably one of the more driving forces as a supporting character, but still a solo. Without her, the story would have ended very quickly. Yeah, exactly. It had the motivation. But I think you just you brought up a great point, too, that can help people if you're building campaigns around a particular role and you're thinking solo. Look at all those cyberpunk films. And, hey, we got an extensive list in the Cyberpunk Uncensored group on Facebook. And I have a video on that. I think we did a podcast episode. It's on there. But um, but yeah, there there's so many great movies and a lot of them, obviously, because, you know, they have to have the action aspect. Um, a lot of them are, you know, you can take and a- extract key points from and they're e- built around solos. You know, they're built around the action and fighting and shit like that. So it's great. 
Yeah, I feel like we can talk about solos all day, so we That's probably true. should let's move get on. To, yeah, yeah, let's get to an, a, a, you know, a different role. Which one do you, you know, I suggest we start with solo. I think we both agreed. What do you want to move on to next? I say probably lawmen, because lawmen we could yeah. probably knock out pretty quickly. Lawmen are, that's almost, I want to say this is probably one of the hard, the most limiting sort of character you can do in a few ways. He because the lawmen, you're either making them corrupt, or, or you're making them outside of NCPD, or just the law, whatever law enforcement. Yeah, there's it ultimately. Sort of restricts them as a, it restricts them. It's sort of restricting in a way. It's like a paladin, I guess, of they have to follow certain rules. Well, I wouldn't say like paladin, but in the sense like I think lawmen, it's definitely not as multifaceted. It's more like a fifty-fifty thing, like you said. It's a, it's a you know, there, there's a fork in the fucking road. You're cho- you're choosing left or right. When you're a lawman, you're either you know, standing up for the good and the law, and you're following the rules, and you're going against booster gangs and corruption and all that sort of shit, or you're corrupt and you go the other route. And that, and that's whether or not you're a lawman. That's working for the PD or you're a private investigator or you recently were retired or fired. It seems like with lawman, there's always that um, you're either a bad lawman or a good lawman. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can sort of pull the um, uh, vigilante lawman of sort of skirting the rules but still ultimately doing the right thing, but that's that's still yeah. a hard play. And that's not even taking into account what the other the rest of your team is going to be doing. Yeah, that's like, the hard you thing, have a I lawman think. Yeah, yeah, arrest most... his players. I know we we talked about, I want to do a a separate episode about, you know, building campaigns around uh, character, you know, character and player dynamics ultimately. But um, but you just brought up a good point. Lawman is a a little bit difficult too to put into a mix of players because, uh, you know, if you have a lawman in your team and like say they're they're not retired or a private investigator or something along those lines, say they actually work for the fucking, you know, Night City PD or whatever city they're in. It's like, man, how, it, that that's difficult to put into a thing, especially if they're not going to be corrupt, you know, to be taken on side gigs with a team of somebody else or working with them or something. Like, it, it does get a bit tricky. Yeah, but luckily there is a lot of examples of entire teams built just as lawmen because yeah. you would have the net runners. It's like I think uh, the book Protect and Serve in 2020 did a great job of breaking it down of saying you can build entire campaigns just around lawmen and the roles, but integrated into the law system. Right. And that's, well, that's limiting, you know, like you said, that's the only thing is like the way to make that work is then all the other players would have to say, okay, cool. I'm still my role, but I'm going to be doing it with the lawman, like under the law or working with him. Like, I I know what you mean, but I'm saying like, imagine you have a team and they're already, you know, established. Like you have a fixer and a rocker boy, you know, you have a media, a fixer, a rocker boy and a solo. And then all of a sudden your buddy wants to join the team. He's like, Oh, I made a character. I'm a lawman. Fit me in. It's like, fuck. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that gets a little difficult. Yeah, Not yeah. impossible, but it is hard, on the harder side. And it can definitely sort of sideline a lot of storylines and paths and things you want to do, especially how well they play that lawman character. Yeah. I feel like at that point it, it gets, it, it gets, and I don't want to get into too much detail because I do, uh, I do have a final session I'm probably doing with team spicy. Um, to kind of wrap up that session, a couple of the players can't play anymore. Anybody following my ongoing two teams live streams, uh, Eric here is part of Team Nameless, but I also have a Team Spicy. A couple of players can't play anymore, but we're going to do a wrap-up session, and I'm doing something kind of drastic, which I had planned anyways. But now I'm going to, I'm still going to do it. But then I, I'm going to kind of wrap up the summary at the end, so it at least has some closure to the story. But it reminds me of that in the sense that when it comes to Lawman, you can do the same thing. You can kind of go drastic. You can. You can be the type of GM that almost 
um, you know, you, you story out a lot of the aspects of what makes that lawman a lawman to make it work with the team, you know, and I don't want to get too much into it, but you can kind of bend rules and kind of force force their thumb in, in lesser words or whatever, force them to have to make some hard choices that would kind of align them with the rest of the team so it makes sense, you know? Yeah, and I think that kind of railroading, it, it's it's very hard to make that nuance without making a player feel like, I created this law event, but now I have to sort of be a solo because I can't be on right. the law. No, exactly. Yeah, it, it requires a lot of tact, and you've got to, you know, still implement parts of that role into whatever you manipulate it towards, but you can kind of at least change the direction a little. And I don't want to get too much into that, but I think we agree, you know, lawman, to build a campaign around that, it really depends on the, the angle of that lawman, whatever the player decides on that character. Are they going to be following the law or not? And then what's their job? Are they actually working for the PD where there's a lot of regulation and rules to follow? Or are they crooked under that? Or are they retired or, a, uh, like I said, private detective or something a little different? Um, but yeah, uh, I think the easiest way with that is like what you said, building a whole team based around lawman, you know? Yeah, and you have, for inspiration, there are how many year, decades worth of police procedurals and like film noirs and other kind of influence that's been around focusing on lawmen and such like that. Like, yeah, I want to say The Wire is like sometimes I've been told as like one of the better cyberpunk modern stories of you have these pretty much people, you have this entire team of police trying to infiltrate and get information. Unfortunately, I haven't seen The Wire, so I can't comment too much. Yeah, yeah, me neither, but I know what you mean, because I've, I've heard the same thing. Um, but yeah, exactly. There's plenty of reference, once again, for that role, just like with solos, so that'll help as well. But uh, moving on to the next role, um, we want to mm. discuss next. I want... Uh, let's go with the tech, because the tech is yeah. not that bad, honestly. The tech is definitely feels very more on the support side characters. It and used to. sort of has been. Yeah, yeah. I, true, I feel like true. Red kind of opened it up. And I and once again, I don't want to talk too much about it because you play much. yeah, you play a tech in the ongoing campaign that we do, so I don't want to give away some things that I, I know I have planned. But I will say like I do enjoy the fact that a tech has more depth in red, that it's not just here's a guy that can fix or build shit. It's more like you know, if they want to fix or build shit or upgrade shit or invent shit or whatever, you know, it, there, there's a whole procedure to it. And a lot of it is, you know, having to track down, find or acquire supplies. And that, that can, you know, incorporate a whole labyrinth of uh, possible sessions and campaigns if, you know, if you really want to get down that rabbit hole. And I, I love that fact. I feel like they took it from a supporting character now. And you can really, like, make a whole story around that shit. You really can. Texts are sort of now that almost magnet for MacGuffins or just the things that somebody has to have, whether it be they're being called upon corporations, they're being targeted as, like, get this guy because he has something that we want that he made. Or it's like they're looking for something they just or they were at the wrong place working on the wrong person at the wrong time kind of situations yeah. it's like you can start an entire story off a of tech just stealing a car and from there it just can go anywhere right text sort of that i want to say tech sort of feel like they are the everyday sort of man of the story like they can put them in any scenario and they'll sort of either sink or swim because that's sort of what they are they are the more blue collar of the roles i say because yeah. they're just essentially mechanics they are the best mechanics around no, most definitely. And I think that, uh, you know, I think it's easy to build campaigns around them. But what I think, you know, and, and I haven't fully done that yet with our, our sessions, you know, but I, but what I do love doing is implementing little side 
Easter eggs and potentials to take on tangents if players find things or pursue certain things or whatever. But um, I, I like I said, I definitely have plans, but I love how you know you can totally make a, a whole campaign not just based around the tech stuff, but the motivations, uh, keeping in mind all the different subcategories that a tech is involved with as being a maker now. You know what I mean? Like whether it's inventing or fixing, uh, supply finding or whatever, um, there's just uh, adventure, I guess is the right word. There's there's potential adventure behind each one of those little things now. It's not just as simple as hiring you to fix something back in the day or you being part of a team where, like you said, you'd be a supporting character and like something breaks, you fix it or they need to, you know, jury rig something quickly or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would definitely say that the tech is definitely more of a very driving and proactive character compared to like the solo where his main their main jobs are usually reactionary of their reacting to a job they've been given and they're hunting somebody like where a tech sort of has to make his own work almost and yeah. with the new abilities that they've been giving and there's a lot and i think the tech has to almost have the gm's ear like 90 percent of the time like can i do this right. will you let me do this almost no, just from totally. my own experience yeah, yeah. But I and, think the tech is also one of the harder roles because there's a lot of sort of research you want to do of like what can you do? Like what oh, do you yeah. want to bring in? I was going to just say there's a lot of depth to that because of the inventing aspect and all and upgrades and like there's just a lot of cool shit that can be done and like we've we've seen with our ongoing campaign like you said, you know, we've had a lot of bridges to cross and figure out and you know, we've had to send a couple emails into our Talsorian with questions, you know. But um Yeah. But I think uh, I, I love the fact that the motivations are there. So anybody building a campaign around text, especially in red, it's like, man, just like uh, start simple and then build your story or, you know, expand from there, build your spider web or whatever you want to do from there. But it can be as simple as needing to find a material, you know, reward them with materials or like a, a broken piece of equipment or drone or uh, machinery or something that can lead to cyberware. something else. Yeah, like cyberware or just something because of the fact that especially in red, like materials are scarce and like shit just isn't being built new every day, you know? So like yeah. if you're not, finding a night market and getting lucky to find some cool shit, you know, you're, you're relying on a tech to find that shit and build it for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I definitely think that this is a good opportunity for all the players who are looking forward to being a tech to put all those old books to use. Cause just going through there and looking at the tech that is no longer existing because all those companies don't exist anymore and trying to either make something similar, make something better. It really lets you run yeah. away with your imagination. That's a what great point. Want. That's a great point. Um, I didn't even think about that, but that's really cool because of the, the fact that it is post fourth corporate war and shit is fucked up and supplies aren't, you know, readily available and shit is scarce. Like yeah. you can totally uh, fill those gaps, you know, as a tech and like, like you said, look, look back on old Chromebooks and source books and things, you know, and be like, oh, look at this. Like they don't, they don't sell this in red. You don't see that everywhere. Maybe I can try to find materials to invent that re reinvent it like this or, you know, like that's a great point. That's fun. So what do I have to do to get my robo dog? Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, so next, uh, let's let's talk about med tech since we're on the whole tech oh. thing because it's very similar. Um, but yes. I always feel like med tech, unless feeling like a supporting character, it's a, it's again, it's it's almost similar to Lawman, where it's like um, they're very you know, or, or solo I should say, like they're very, um, you know, they heal. That's they. Their, they yeah, but you know what I mean? they are vital, I want to say. Oh, most, yeah, especially in red, like, holy shit, like, with those critical injuries and things that can happen, and, like, you, you, you need that. 
Um, and, and yeah. yeah, without like not just stabilizing and helping out with things and, and healing, but like we've seen, like, look how expensive it can get if you got to go to a hospital or go through uh, other sources like it can get pretty fucking r- rough. Yeah, they, I love that Red offers a lot of options that in case you don't have a med tech, but I think having a med tech, even for campaign building, really will open up a lot of options because they have such a very valuable resource for that. There are different skill sets just on healing and other kind of other things associated with that. It's like it allows a GM to build entire campaigns around that or at least utilizing the med techs other than hey, just heal the guy who got shot four times. No, you can do a lot with that. They can be the lifesaver. They can be the thing that helps push an NPC of like, okay, well, I got a sick kid. What can you do for me? Kind of situations. Yeah, I most I think definitely you can build think... a lot of campaigns around that too. Like uh, just from stuff like doctors or borders going to like, um, uh, well, like natural disaster kind of situations to go salvage equipment and stuff. And this is the red. A lot of these med techs that once were like popular in trauma team, they're few and far between, even more so now. Right. So it's like finding a good med tech is going to be hard and they are probably one of the most valuable things. No, exactly. I was going to say, you know, to build a campaign around med techs and stuff, I think different angles come from other roles too. You can always keep that in mind is because they're so, you know, important to a team and needed in, in such a violent environment. Um, I think that you can kind of build campaigns around them by pulling in uh, maybe, maybe not motivations, but influences from other roles like a corporation that really wants to hire them or is trying to kidnap them or really wants them because they need those medical skills and the help, you know, in their battle against some other corporation or trying to figure out some new drug things. So they need to hire them or again, kidnap them and force them, you know, but if you look at them from a solo, maybe a solo needs to hire them. They're going into battle. They got to work together. They need them to heal them or, you know, like that healing is just so needed that you can work it into any fucking role. And I think that can be a, a sort of angle for GMs to build their campaign. You know, since this whole episode is about building a campaign around roles, that's what I'm getting at here is I think with a med tech, um, you know, even being feeling kind of narrow in the sense that, okay, like a solo, like it's very easy to know exactly what the fuck they do. They heal people. There's still subcategories and things that they have different strengths and weaknesses in within that yeah. healing. But it always comes down to a form of healing. You know what I mean? Just like a solo is always combat, even if it is different versions of or angles of with their strengths and weaknesses. I feel like a med tech is the same way. But to build a campaign around them can come from any angle because of the fact they're so needed to any role. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, just for example, look at the uh, movie The Outbreak. Like, I think it came back out in the 90s and even modern day where that pandemic became a huge driving force for, like, CDC operators, people healing on the front lines. Like, Dr. House, that TV show was wildly popular for a long time. And it was about a guy healing and all the weird stuff in between. You can yeah. build an, a, that, a med tech would be perfect. So it acts the same way as the regular tech of their sort of driving force of, like, what are they going to do next to heal somebody? Are they looking for a cure to a virus? Are they looking to put up their, I guess, like free clinic for the combat zone? Right. Like, what do they want to do to support the people around them for their own ideals? And you can like, also because you could easily make a, also a med tech, technically just a pharma like a street pharmacist of what is he selling today and what does he have to do to get right. the right chemical? And again, like for GMs, you know, building campaigns around these roles is a great place to start. Just like with all of them is looking at that life path, looking at the background and everything and, and kind of seeing, uh, 
you know, what they have there that you can implement in to like what needs healing or what they can work with to use their skills. But, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, we covered a bunch of angles for that and it's very clear what a med tech does. Let's move on to a different role. Um, what, what do you want to touch next? Uh, let's go on the exec. I feel like the exec is probably one of the least understood and underutilized we get in the cyberpunk world. Yeah. They make a great antagonist, but as a player, this feels at least in 2020, it was very sort of, so what do I do with this guy? He's a yuppie. Right. No, exactly. I think it's, uh, it, it, it was, it was more, I feel more narrow. Uh, red back. is, they are just, they are straight up team leaders in red. Right. Well, well, I think in, in red, I feel like it opened up more because of the fact it really defined their whole, uh, you know, rollability and then, you know, an exec, and I can't go into too much detail because obviously red's not released at the time of recording this, but, um, you know, they can go any which angle with their support from the court, but you're still with a court. So like, there's still some limitations in feeling within a group, like, like, and, and I can't go into too much detail because I do have plans for that rap session and it, and it hits on some extremes and kind of, you know, does some cool stuff, which I would love anybody listening to this. Definitely check out Mulligan live on YouTube and look for that spicy, uh, team spicy final, final episode. I think it's, it's, it's session three. Um, but you know, with a corp on any team, it's got to be worked the right angle because it can be difficult because, like you said, an exec, they're, they're loyal to their corporation typically unless they're trying to work to bring it down from the inside, which is also kind of cool. But it, no matter what, it's involving them working for or being with a corporation, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely say there are some parallels between the exec and the lawman of the sort. They are restricted in a few ways. But unlike uh, in relating to the skills, I will say from 2020 to red, the burden of what the skill set can do is lifted from the GM and is now on the player in red. So the the player, he knows what he can do with his skill set. And I think that makes it a lot easier for him. He's oh, not yeah. going to second guess. They're not going to second guess themselves on like, well, can I do this? Would I be able to? It's laid all out there. And I think that lets them actually pursue what they want to yeah. do as building this uh, exec character. And yeah, there's it's much better to find now. Being an exec, <laughs> like especially yeah. now with Red and all the new mini corps, I think they're even more ruthless than they were in 2020. Like, was it corporate takeovers and corporate pirates are almost a literal thing now? They are pirates. They're stealing and pillaging what they well, can. It's not from just others. that, but it's because Red is so up and coming now. You know, during the reestablishment, I feel like all these neocorps are just so cutthroat to try to come up and make a spot for themselves. Just like everyone. I feel like the whole society is now coming up again, but still in that violent cyberpunk genre and, you know, that world, you know? So, it, but it's now it's at this kind of rebirth, you know, clean and repeat point to where like now everybody's kind of fighting and just trying to get some elbow room. And most definitely when it comes yeah. to corporations, I feel like, oh man, yeah, there's just so much cutthroat and shit with that. But you know, just as narrow as it is with Lawman, uh, in that sense, like there's there's a couple angles you can do. I also feel like there's potential for storytelling with a GM to be able to kind of direct things in different ways that they want. And like I said, tune into session three of Team Spicy on Mulligan Live. You know, YouTube.com/slash Mulligan Live. I don't want to get too much more into those options, but I do feel like if you're a GM building campaigns around an exec, 
Uh, definitely look at the life path. Look at the corporation that they work for or that they deal with or that they're enemies with. And there's just so much rich content just within the corporations um, that you can think of and make up and work with to come up with any type of campaign, whether it involves espionage or corporate assassination or kidnapping or some net, the net running side of stuff. You know, it can, it can, it can definitely uh, get a little bit diverse with how you direct the campaign when it comes to an exec, I feel. Oh, yeah. The At execs are... Side. It, like if the techs are the blue collar, the exec is the white collar without a doubt. And a lot of films and a lot of books, like just look at every John Grisham book, those are all based around lawyers that are white collar, but they have these huge adventures. There's like a man falling down. That was a white collar exec type character that fell on hard times that really fought back against the system. Actually, and that's sort of almost cyberpunk in itself. But oh, totally. I think the exec is, I, I feel like that he has this... Uh, infamous title of well he's the bad guy the corpse sort of bad but it's like he's just like everybody else he is trying to make a name for himself in a world that doesn't really want him anymore i think the exec is you can do a lot whether it be an accountant a lawyer a pencil pusher even like an admin or secretary like they're all trying to do something to make their way to the top and what they do is just utilize their assets of the company and whatever comes with it whether they're put in a bad situation or a good one, it depends on what kind of story the GM wants to tell. You can build an entire campaign around just corporate espionage in the one building of trying to track something down that right. went missing that could ruin the company. Oh yeah, so no, like you it can, doesn't have you, to be some huge thing. No, no, yeah, you can build a campaign all the way around just like one execs like level in their office or like their particular division of a corporation where like just someone else is trying to come up for their fucking position. So there can be all kinds of like shit going on there, you know, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we covered exec pretty well. And I think people, um, ha- you know, especially GMs, you know, they'll, they'll easily be able to build campaigns around execs. I think the diversity is there. It's covered in books and film and, you know, you just think evil corporations and go from there, whether they're working for or against or with or in or whatever. Um, it's all right there. And again, any of the roles, great place to start. Any GM, like check out the life path. Even if you're not going to use particulars, it can at least give you a little bit of direction. Even if it's not that exact, um, what you're going to use in the campaign, it can at least, I don't know, give hints of ideas that can spark other ideas. But yeah, um, but yeah. Well, I was going to say one more thing about the exec, though. Now I'm just thinking, what if the office was based on cyberpunk and they were all just exec characters? How would you do that? <laughs> the office. That's funny. Hey, um, the corporate world is ruthless. Yeah. Um, Even it, the paper one. The next role I would like to go over is one of my favorites, and that's the fixer. I am a huge oh, fan of the fixer. Fixers. You know, back when I was younger and I used to play all the time, I've played, I've actually played a lawman before. I was always, but I would always pick like a no matter a solo as most kids would. It's the most fun and violent and rowdy and whatever. But then once I started like branching off and, and trying other roles, um, once I got to a fixer, I was like, holy shit, like I, I really like a fixer because I would always, you know, make it to where it could be good with a little bit of gunplay. But I love the fact that as a fixer, and especially when it comes to red, because again, the role abilities and the diversity within the life path of a fixer and all the subcategory shit, like it just it gets diverse, just like all of the roles, and I love it. But even if you're a 2020 based or whatever, I just love the fact that fixers deal with like, or however you want, they they can deal with anything from weapons to cybernetics to drugs and my favorite, the networking and the people stuff and like information side of like what a fixer can like sell and work with. And like, there's just so much potential for campaigns when it comes to a fixer in my mind. And I know you like a fixer, you've played one before, but what do you think? I think the fixers are the GM lights in the cyberpunk world where they have just as much work to do for the team 
as the GM themselves of trying to make this network, like you're saying, like the fixers have so many options of what they can get, what they can provide, what they just become the sandbox. I think like you can do so much with a fixer in any role. It is just, it's amazing almost like they're not limited. Like the execs are to that corporate world of like prim and proper. They have, they're just on the ground doing what they need to do. You can build crime scenes around them. You can build entire story paths of the guy who's down on his luck. It's like, there's no end with the fixer. Yeah. And and like you just said, I think it is a good point is like, it's kind of cool that a fixer, um, they can work with any role and also meaning like any class level. And I know cyberpunk is typically like broke as shit or rich as hell. There's very little middle class. You know, there, there is there people trying to come up and people are working little shops, but even that they're broke and like, it's a tough time. But I, I do, I always can picture fixers. Like they'll walk into the corp zone cause they're doing a job for a corp or an, ex, you know, corporation or an exec there, or they're working with a booster gang or in the combat zone, or they're over in like little Italy working with a mob boss or they're, you know what I mean? Over at the docks, like getting some items for some pirates that came into town or helping nomads. Do like they're just so diverse. I love it. Yeah. I, I would say that most people who could come from other systems that don't know about it, they would look at the fixer and they would think he's either going to be like the bard or the thief type character. Yeah, I was going to say rogue. <laughs> but but they're, they're far from either of those in a way right. because they're more like actually the NPCs. They are the ones who assign the quest, find the quest. They're, they're pretty much keeping the world together in a way. They are the movers and shakers making everything happen. Well, I like how you like, said like they're kind of one of the roles that is almost as much work as a GM, especially in red, when you think about all the networking and the depth of that life path and what it could really entitle, you know, and like it, it, it can almost get uh, unbalanced just like if you let, uh, uh, you know, high level rocker boys and execs with all this, you know, the support that they can get. And like, man, I picture like once you get up there in a level, like, just like you just like other roles, like, yeah yeah fixer is like a fucking mob boss and shit <laughs> you know but yeah. i do love uh but i just do love the diversity of them and i do think like you said they are one of the bigger roles or important roles to a team um at least when it comes to like you said planning and playing that character because th- there's a lot of depth to it that you can play with i mean you can play it light you know you could just be a fixer that kind of you're playing the game when the GM brings up something like, Oh, I think I could hook up that. Oh, here, let me roll street, uh, street deal or whatever, you know, yeah, but, the guy who knows that kind of situation. Yeah. 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 But I do think if you really want to, which I really appreciated when we were doing the hybrid one, when, when you were playing a fixer in our campaign, you know, you, you were coming up with great, uh, life path past stuff, whether it was like you worked in a certain area and you'd be like, okay, cool. So like this game works out of here and that would be the guy I know. And like, I don't know, like you can really, uh, if you, if a player wanted to, they could put a lot of depth into it. And I think that, that, the type of player that does that makes the GM's job a lot easier when it comes to having to build the campaign around that role. Because like, man, you just dive into that life path and the details of what that fixer is good at. And there's just adventure right the fucking in every one of those little things. Oh yeah. I, I think that when it comes to the fixer, you have to be working hand in hand with the GM of like setting up these, what these goalposts are that you want to reach of what you want to do, what you're capable of doing. Otherwise he's just the guy who, knows a guy and it's like it feels almost limiting it but i think the fixer has so much room to grow and can be played by so many different ways that building a campaign around them is so almost can be daunting because if the player really enjoys what the fixer can do you have to as a gm you have to sort of accommodate that of think like what is he going to bring to the table today what is going to bring me that i didn't think about because if they're doing research they're learning and they're thinking 
they can throw so many different more problems at you than you thought as a GM could do. Right. No, most definitely. And But I think it it makes it a little easier, too, to build campaigns around that if if you're flexible and you can just kind of run with some of those things, like just dive on to some of those uh, family path history people and NPCs, and, you know, you can build things around that eventually, you know? Oh, yeah. um, I think we did that with like uh, Luscious Lucius War Baby or whatever the fuck, you know, of the of the water rats and uh, coming into play into, a, you know, the next day campaign and things like that. But um, but I think as far as building a campaign around a fixer, it's it's definitely one one of the more diverse, uh, easier options for a GM, because, um, again, uh, whatever type of fixer they're into of selling, finding things, running night markets or you know, networking people or information, just build off of that. You know, you can, oh, if, 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 if they're into networking and people and information, then start just making all kinds of great mystery uh, sort of driven campaigns around that things that they have to solve and connect dots with their information and people knowing if they're more into like selling drugs and hot items and working that angle, man, you can come up with so many different campaign options based around like night markets or booster gangs or corporations needing those items or selling those items or got to get the items from them for a different gang or a different corporation or different people from, you know, like it, it, you can really look at what type of fixer that the player's playing and man, that you can run with different campaigns based on that. Oh yeah, now, now that you mentioned Night Market or something like that, uh, a fixer can do that all on his own and just the ventures that come from there is never going to be non-stop depending on what that fixer wants to do. So yeah, I think that... and that allows the GM, like man, if a fixer wants to set up his own Night Market, it's like a GM can sit back and go, okay, cool, who the fuck am I going to have visit that Night Market? And there's your campaign. How many rolls <laughs> on that table, like what bad things can happen, but am I going to roll tonight? Who's going to yeah, show up? Exactly. Just... I love it. All right. Uh, well, that's an easy one, I think, for people. It's, it's got a lot of depth, don't get me wrong. It can be tricky, and like you said, a, a player that's real good at being a fixer can throw some curveballs, but I think it's easier easier uh, when it comes to a GM that, than the, the the character itself. But, yeah, um, having a fixer will definitely take some of the burden off the GM of just yeah. creating the campaign. You have someone to really focus on character-wise because they're very goal-driven, I say. 100%. Um, all right, so next role, what do you, you want to talk about next? I picked um, fixer. Well, let's go with medias because I think like the fixers, yeah. they're also really story driven, but you sort of have to bait them, I think. Like you have to give them that story to feed on because exactly. it's investigative journalism and everything's like, what are they going to want to chase down? Do you drop hints? Do you let the let them figure it out for themselves? But I think because I haven't ran too many games, I haven't ran any games where someone wanted to be a media. It feels like sort of such a sideline character almost well I even ran, though they have a lot they can do yeah i was running a media when, when when i was doing the 2020 red starter hybrid thing that we were all doing i was running you know your team and then team one had the uh the media in it um yeah i think it was cynthia i think yeah yeah exactly cynthia lopez was the character but i didn't i didn't get a chance i and i did have some ideas for it to drive a campaign based around that because like as you know you know i'll kind of do different campaigns or sessions and maybe each job, whether it takes a couple sessions or one or whatever, might be based more around the motivations of one particular role. And I like to change them out as we go. That way everybody kind of gets their spotlight driven for whatever the session is or gig or job or mission. But like I said, I'll put different layers within each one. So everybody has something or a chance to do stuff or run on a tangent or find something that could lead to something else. Because I do believe that the most fun is when you really play this shit like an open world. It's a sandbox and it should be 
you know, players can do whatever the fuck they want. It should lead on to whatever tangent. You know, if you're a good GM, you just roll with the punches and you go with it, and it'll make it more fun. But I do feel like with media, um, going back on that, like you know, even though I didn't get a chance to really implement it, I feel like. Like you said, it's very a very bait sort of thing. Like media's are, yeah. you know, they're always wanting to put out that article, do that report or whatever. So it's just whatever, whatever campaign you want to base it around for them. Come up with some great story, and man, you can grab that from newspapers and the news. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that happening right now. Yeah. There's a lot of that happening back in the '80s. Come on, the whole the uh, Iran Contra thing, the Oliver North, the Nixon administration, which was even before. If people are around, they're doing something they don't want others to find out. But I think that's also sort of limiting for immediate of it sort of becomes that almost linear. They have that one goal path the entire right. time of like tracking down. It's but so how true. they do that, I think, is on the GM of like, where's that GM going to put the clues? How much is that going to rely on them? Well, I think it's also kind of cool. You can, you can do it within the team itself, which is kind of cool. Like it's easy to kind of like obviously you have a rocker boy. I mean, he is going to do reports on that. You know, or like if mm-hmm. the team, you know, a, a solo did some hit of some famous corp. Well, they got the inside scoop. This court, they're first to break the case that this guy was assassinated. I don't know who did it because she doesn't want to narc out her own team. But, you know, and I say she because I keep referring to the media that I was uh, had <laughs> on my team when I was running that hybrid version, Cynthia. But, but you get the point. Um, I think that media is kind of cool, even though, like you said, it's it's very narrow in the sense like they're breaking cases, breaking stories, whatever. Um, you, but you can bait them with all different styles of mystery or stories or things that they have to do. And then you can throw curveballs like, you know, a different media thing that's trying to break a case now has a hit on them on that media because this other media is trying to break the same case or maybe they see a kidnapping happen or something while they're breaking a case or something else fucked up or, you know what I mean? But like I said, you can also, yeah, yeah. And you can work them within your own team, whatever other roles are there, you know, whatever campaign is based around that other role the media on the team is going to cover the story, some type of story about that, you know? Yeah, I definitely can see media being very much the lead type character in any kind of team of taking up the mantle and building a team to help accomplish those goals or being a supporting character of just documenting what the team is doing. It's like, it, it feels, it's a very fluid type character. Whatever they're doing yeah. will help or they can be driving the team at the same time. And I think that lets the GM pretty much define what kind of stories they want to tell and by what kind of media is going to be there if they want to be like focusing mainly on rocker boys like writing those stories touring the world that gives the gm lots of options of well where do i want to send them this time what's happening in russia what's happening in china like what do they really want to do who's going to get kidnapped almost it's like what right. really happens in the third world of music touring which you actually probably have a lot of experience in yeah, I have done some touring. Um, <laughs> I've done some crazy touring too, man. The stories I could tell about being on Warp Tour and our RV breaking down, and then we had to rent a cargo van and sleep head to toe, head to toe on hard metal flooring. We had bruises on our spine, and then had to hit the stage, jumping around, and doing our intense music, and like. It, what happens when you don't have a tech on the team? And uh, oh man, and if you remember the old band Rancid, that punk rock band, speaking of like cyberpunk. Yes. Yeah, man, we listen to this just quick. Sorry to interject, but hey, it's punk, so it's cyberpunk. But we were playing in like Minneapolis or Indianapolis or something, and they were like one of the headlining acts. And I went to the artist backstage, which was in this fucking basement of this abandoned school we were performing in. It was creepy as hell, like a fucking horror movie. And I'm going down the stairs. I can hear like dripping water and people in the back laughing, and it's like dark and like, you know, lights flickering and shit. Maybe it wasn't that crazy, but that's how I that's how I see it now in my mind's eye. But I like enter the bathroom, and um, 
one of the stalls is open and it's uh, one of the dudes from Rancid. And I, God, I don't even remember their fucking names now, but one of oh, the should have remembered that name for this. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah. And he's like just sitting on the fucking toilet, taking a shit. And I like come around the corner. He's like, I, I think I was with my buddy chuckles. He was one of our, our road guys who he tunes into the YouTube once in a while. If I see him there, I'm going to bring this up during a live stream and you'll see I'm not lying. And uh, he just like, stand, he just was taking a shit and I'm like, Oh, sorry, dude. And then he like, he's like, no, it's all good, mate. And he like just stands up, pulls up his pants and walks away. And me and chuckles just like, look at each other like what the fuck he didn't even wipe didn't even wash his hands. and i like look over and, and sure enough there's shit in the toilet like he, he definitely took a dump and just stood up pulled up his pants and walked away i was like what the hell <laughs> oh my god that's so dirty punk rock that's so rancid but anyways <laughs> sorry sorry but yeah with those kind of stories like that's perfect for a media of that yeah. happens that becomes a tabloid story or just look at the culture we have now bloggers youtubers everyone trying to put their name out there that is the media world almost yeah like you're getting information out there in the fastest way possible so i think the media do, can do a lot yeah you can do they a can lot do a lot when it comes to campaign and it's easy for a gm to kind of build campaigns around them because like we said a good thing to keep in mind is bait them whatever style yeah, of media yes. that, whatever style of media they're doing whatever they're into just bait them with something cool and you know have that campaign played out but be ready to change it up and work with whatever a player throws at you or the rest of the team incorporates into it but I think that's yeah, I a kind of an I, easier one. Well, something interesting is like, look how one up was in playing like a Mickey playing one up of a social influencer solo. Yeah. Can you imagine a media trying to build up that same kind of cred? But technically, that would probably be a rocker boy. So if you want to, yeah, yeah. we I can think, talk about that well, in the some, rocker boy now. Well, what you, yeah, yeah, we can get into that here. But real quick, you know, kind of a fun, maybe this isn't something for building a campaign around. Maybe I'll get into this when I get into specific roles and building those because I do plan on doing that too. But uh, making a media similar to like when you were referring to Mickey playing one up, one up was a solo, but he was also like a media influencer. So he would live stream his battles and stuff, which was fun because it would help his rep. But what I just yeah. thought of is it'd be kind of cool a media that maybe is getting into these missions, but, you know, purposely assassinating or fucking people up or killing them or causing things that then they could break the story about. You know what I mean? <laughs> that isn't far-fetched from reality from what I've oh, seen I know, sometimes. Oh, I know, I know, I uh, know. And now with the, the um, I don't know, can we talk about cross-class? I know we've mentioned before. No, well, you know, there is some, there, yeah, there is some multi-classing and stuff, but we don't want to get too much into that. Let's not okay. talk about that too much. Um, but yeah, moving on, let's talk about, uh, and, and this is, on, again, because at the time of recording this, officially Cyberpunk Red is not released. We do have an advanced copy from our Talsorian Games because we were lucky enough to be gifted for our live streams that we do the gameplay weekly with, but we can't talk too much detail about certain things. But um, yeah, moving on, let's talk about the Rocker Boy. Oh, the rocker boy, the quintessential. Well, I wouldn't say quintessential, but he's definitely up there when it well, comes I've, to. I've honestly, I've never been a fan, and I don't know whether it's because I've been one in real life a bit of a rocker <laughs> boy, you know. But I've just never been a fan yeah. of playing one or even GMing one. And I have had them in campaigns, and I've worked it in. And it's fun. It's always been that punk rowdiness, but um, it's to be completely honest, it's almost on the verge of of a cheesy character to me. I don't know why. It's a little well, bit cheesy, just like I've, I'm not a big fan of a bard in D&D. No, I can understand. I think it's because it is such a sort of niche group that it's hard to do. People who want to play a rocker boy, they only see what the media says. They don't, they don't get to live it like you do, like where you did live it. Like you had that rocker boy lifestyle of being a touring musician, of having, like, living those experiences. They only sort of see what they see on VH, 
God, I feel old now. What was on VH1, that the behind the scenes experience? Music, like, yeah, they don't funny. they don't get to get in that mentality, and it's hard to sort of fictionalize that without going too far one way or the other. And yeah. I think that's really hard. I will say I that think... the the players that played Rocket was, you know, Alex and Heather. Um, it, it was it didn't feel cheesy. Like I was able to work it into campaigns, and it did make sense, and we were able to make it fun and cool. But generally speaking, up until kind of playing with them, like in the past, and like when maybe it was because I was younger and playing with other younger players, like I only, you know, started playing with other players in these past months using Red and really streaming those games. But in the past, I've never been a fan. It always came across kind of cheesy and um, I don't know, just not not cool to me. And maybe it was because I was into music and, you know, like you said, you know, really living music or something. I don't know what it was, but um but yeah, n- not a fan, but like I said, the players I've had did a good enough job to where it wasn't hard for me to build campaigns around like, you know, the local promoter calling and booking the rocker for a gig and then putting some crazy shit at the gig like a rival band might be there or a uh, corporate assassin team's trying to make a hit on them because of a previous uh, job that they did that against that corporation or you know what I mean? Like you can build oh, yeah. camp- campaigns there around rocker boys. You can do. Yeah. And like, I, was I think touring is fun. Touring is fun, too, when you think of you can take a rocker boy, set them on a tour, which can put them into different environments, different campaigns can springboard from that, but it also gives the rest of a team something to do. Like maybe the media is covering that, doing stories. The solo is uh, security for it. The tech is helping mm-hmm. with, like, stage stuff and equipment Everything breaking or tech. lights or sound, you know, and, and Netrunner. Uh, I don't want to get too much in that because I want to talk about that next. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, Rocker Boy can be really diverse with building campaigns around them. Oh, yeah, I think the Rocker Boy is like the media – where like they are very driven, like they have their goal set. They can you can build a campaign just about anything. I know I talked uh, before I started playing with you and John. I was thinking about just trying to start my own like game where the whole game is built upon not rocker, not having a rocker boy teammate, but around a team sort of touring with like a K-pop rocker group. Of, like they're having to deal with all the problems this this group is leading them into because of their fame almost. Yeah. So the team wouldn't have a rocker boy but they were just it was a rocker think, boy campaign yeah yeah no i love that and it's cool uh and yeah a lot can tangents can come from that but i think you just said something which made a lot of sense to me too it kind of clicked is very media like in the sense that a gm can build campaigns around a rocker boy uh just like what they do with the media you know baiting them with things that they want to break a story on or figure out or whatever with a rocker boy you just bait them with fucking gigs and shows and fan-based things you know like they have to go to a signing they have to go record a new album for this label that's going to drop a bunch of money to them or they got to go on this tour like you just bait them with you know musician things (laughs) exactly and it's like musicians it's that industry has been around for so long and it's been probably one of the most uh, infamous so it feels like from everything a backroom deals the like how did vanilla ice get that contract I, like i remember that hearing that story about suge knight and it didn't go well right right so like a lot of things happen in the music industry and a and lot I, of and that's only the stuff that gets leaked i can't I like imagine that, what goes on behind the scenes and i like you know it's typical in cyberpunk obviously but my players really made it feel organic in the way that they did it so it didn't feel too cheesy or over the top and i'm speaking about alex and heather especially heather she did a great job with uh, Eddie Brass, the rocker in, in the campaign that we're about to end that final session, hopefully soon. Uh, but we, uh, sh- the way that they would make you know them anti-corporation, which is like I said, is very yeah. typical with cyberpunk. But the way that they did it, where it didn't feel too contrived or whatever, like you can build campaigns around that. So instead of baiting them with musician things. You know, they're trying to fuck up corporations so their fans think they're cooler and their rep gets better. So it can be very 
uh, I want to say almost solo uh, influence when you think of a rocker boy in the sense that like they'll, they'll totally be down to go do a mission against a corporation. Sure. You know, typically, if, also, they're, if they're that type of rocker boy anyways. Yeah, like, but I think also we, we, we've both fallen into the same problem right now. We see rocker boy, we think musician, and that's not really, that's sort of, the rocker boys can be that, but the rocker boys are also sort of the most adamant social, like, Call, like they're the ones who call for social change more than anybody well, else because they get their voice out. Their voice out. Look at Red. Look at how Red has the subcategories now, and like a rocker boy isn't just like Johnny Silverhand or like rock or rap or you know whatever the typical exactly. genres. Like you can also be like spoken word and shit like that, like slam poetry style shit. Like so, you can totally be like a motivational speaker and still be considered a rocker boy, which is kind of yeah, like, cool. Like you're doing TED like talks a, and shit, you know. That's definitely one. like I would say like it's a weird transition but you can look at Martin Luther King he was a rocker boy he got yeah, yeah. a huge amount of people for change for a really important social issue at the time man that's, that's a like great people, that's a great that's point that's all Real a rocker quick. boy is a rocker boy yeah, yeah. sways the people but you know it's a kinda, rocker boy can bring them together for yeah, good play, and bad play, unfortunately a player needs to try to play it that way I, i've never really seen a player play a rocker boy other than being a fucking musician and stuff it would be really cool for them to do some spoken word shit or be a motivational speaker and doing like Ted talks or motivational rallies and like, a, you know, that it doesn't necessarily have to be music based. And that would be, that would be fun. Yeah. It's, it's borderline exec in, in the power and the things that they can do, but it's a totally different well, uh, skill set in the way that it, it, the mechanics work with red. And, I, I would argue that is. with the exec though, because the exec has assets, a rocker boy, right, right. like whether they're, well, the rocker boy is doing the same thing. The, it's ro- just, the <laughs> rocker boy is relying on the people. So the, if the people are poor, the rocker boy is poor. No, no, I know, like, but so that's but, what I'm saying. It's still assets, just like you know, yeah. in the same way. But well, but regardless, same way as a fixer. Yeah, yeah, but I think regardless, no, exactly. I think a lot of them, you know, it has potential to be in, in balance once they get way the fuck up there, because you know, then you're you're motivating a stadium full of people to riot an entire city. I mean, come the fuck on, you could do that, you know. Yeah. But um. And but at the end of the day, they're still just a person. And we all know what happens to rocker boys who spoke a little too loud. They yeah, can yeah. vanish. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, building campaigns. Johnny lives, by the way. Yeah, yeah but building campaigns around uh, rocker boys is not difficult for a GM. Similar to media, just bait them with musician style things or whatever. If not, if they're not a musician, whatever type of rocker boy they are, bait them Social with th- those. Yeah, bait them one. with, you know, whatever motivations that they have within those roles and their role sets and subcategories, but you can easily build campaigns around rocker boys. But let's move on to Netrunner. I wanted to talk about <laughs> that because I love how uh, Red obviously simplified Netrunning and made it sleek and it's still diverse, but just easier to digest and just more fluid with a team. Um, I think when you it, it, building campaigns around Netrunners are maybe, maybe the easiest, the most diverse because um, yes, they're always net based. Like you know, a netrunner always is going to try to get a control node or a file or hack something. You know what I mean? It's it's very uh, just like any role. They have their strengths in that. You know, the system. I don't know how else to word it, but but I feel like uh, again that could be implemented into any other role, any other campaign, any adventure. Because even if you're going on a hit with a solo, you're uh, you know, investigating a case for a media or you're working with a lawman or you're with a fixer trying to help a booster gang find some other thing or a tech uh, uh, hunt down this material, no matter what, a net runner can easily be hacking systems, controlling control nodes around, helping accomplish these missions. Like, I feel like it's uh, net runner is very easy to build campaigns around. A net runner is probably one of the most quintessential cyberpunks. Like, you can't. 
because the web itself and like the net, those are so vital for everything, information. And even those like everything in the red is going to be sort of like limited in a way. They're still so in that just that idea of getting information that no one else can get makes them so important for everything we do. And we've just seen that over our last few sessions of where I'm um, on you played by Daniel is just such an important character for driving us forward without us really getting bogged down by everything else. Like right. one action a network can do can save us like probably weeks at a time trying to do it on by foot. Yeah. Yeah. No, most definitely. So, like so, I agree. Like netrunners are probably one of the easiest characters to build campaigns around. And, like, and we've seen it. Like you watch movies that are just built around netrunners, even in reality. Like mm-hmm. hackers. One of the a great film, in my opinion. You look at Edward Snowden. He was a netrunner, and look what happened with him. Yeah. And that was. So there's no end to what a netrunner can really do. Yes. Yeah, so much potential with a netrunner. Yeah. So much potential on it, but I do think you know when you said. There, it, it, with red a little bit limited without the internet and like that. One thing I got to say is I feel like with them taking out the internet, it's actually less limited in the sense that with 2020 and previous systems or whatever, you know, pri- let's just say prior data crash and prior fourth corporate war stuff. And, yeah, you know, um, I think it was like, it, it was too easy. It was too like, uh, you know, just, log in here to go hack over there and yeah maybe the system and mechanics was a little too crunchy and a little too fucked up and a little too separating from the rest of the party the rest of the team but i feel like with what red did like you know there you have to hack into systems within six meters of the access point unless you have like you know the booster hardware to help you then you get a few extra meters but i think that that adds to the party adventure it adds to you know now it's not so easy. They're not just at their home hacking and now you're running a campaign from there and like the rest of the team's twiddling their thumbs unless you separate the team. Now it's like, fuck, everybody's got to go to that access point for the net runner to do that while they're doing other shit. He's still in meet space and in the net. It's more like AR, not VR, so he can see what's going on. Like if someone's approaching him like a security guard or a gang member or a homeless dude or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, I don't know. I think like it's it's the, the by, by definition. Gone up. By definition, it's more limited in the sense that it, they have to be within six meters of access points. But by gameplay, it's it's opened up more interaction with the team and more play uh, options for the GM to pull off. Oh, absolutely. Like in 2020, Netrunners were digital gods, and we saw what happened with uh, Raish Bartmoss and Data Crash. But now that they're sort of, their powers have been almost like cut back a little bit it definitely allows a lot more playability for them to be part of teams, to be in the, on the action, not trying to be so removed almost. It, it turned the Netrunner from an NPC that pretty much was needed if you want to do anything on the net in 2020 to being a real character that wasn't slowing things down or changing how the game style. Yeah. And, well, here's one part that I do know that in the Red Books, the Jumpstart, where they talked about, the, the net isn't gone. The net's just closed off. The net still exists. And what's happening out there is probably a right. hundred times worse than what's happening in the red. So a netrunner can still get on. That netrunner just might not live very long. Right. The no, things it's still... you probably find are going to be... Um, I think that actually opens a whole lot of options for the netrunner if he just tries to jump in the regular net to see what happens. Right. No, I definitely think like with, you know, what we've read and I mean, even what you can get out of what has been released in world history and what was released on the net that just, you know, the whole data crash thing and rabbits and all that shit. 
it's it's evident that like okay it's 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 a broken system but it's because of what's on it and what's been breaking it and killing everything on it so like yeah it's it, technically it's still there but i do also think that a lot of it might might not be as functional cuz like think of even now with like um you know fiber optic wires and things then you have like nuclear fallout and things that melt wiring and you know like a lot of communications were fucked um oh, yeah. and so like that's part of it too but i do like to think that yeah the internet's still there maybe in segmented chunks or like coastal or district wise or something maybe but like you said it's like you know the the fucking dark web on steroids and acid and it's been armed with every weapon you can think or whatever. like think of it that way you know what Pretty i mean like yeah, it has yeah. become a plague Braden. Yeah, there you go. It's not a good place for if you have a living brain to be. If you're an AI, great. If you're alive, not so great. Yeah. yeah. AIs, I think. That's a great but way. That's a whole it. other story. We can Exa get into that one a whole Exa other day. Exactly. But as far as like GMs building campaigns around Netrunners, I think that that is so diverse, so uh, easy to work with because they're going to help any campaign you think of it can be, you know, a Netrunner can be fucking dropped in and, like, they they can work something into it. So if you're going to build a campaign that's around a Netrunner and motivated there, maybe just look at, like, rewards and repercussions. I'm going to do a whole episode about that sort of stuff, but that, that's a whole um, sort of, you know, thinking process that can allow you to just look at a Netrunner and just start, start, start with that. Like, you know, they want programs. They want better uh, cyber decks. They want, the hard, you know, better hardware and things like Reward them with that if you don't want to just have like somebody hiring them to do a net running job. You know what I mean? Like bait them with some cool shit that only a net runner is going to want, you know? And that's very easy too. But if you don't want, build a campaign around a different role, but just have shit in it that a net runner is going to have to do. You know, it's so easy for a net runner to keep busy and have fun with any campaign. Because, like you said, that they're, they're just they're quintessential to any fucking team. They can hack into systems and do anything in any campaign. Well, I think it also Netrunner is sort of operating that same system as the medias and the Rocker Boys of their, you can bait them. But the thing is that you have to sort of, with the Netrunners, you want to bait them with a challenge. You want to give them something like, well, no one else can hack this. Can you almost? I would like bait them with that well, that's a good personal point. prestige. It's like that ego almost, because I just remembering the movie, like Hackers, the movie, it was a lot about ego. It was a lot about one-upmanship of, I can do something nobody else can do, and that makes me a little better. And I think that's sort of the whole idea with Netrunners is that it's so much more of like such a niche, small group that they want to be the top dog of that group. They yeah. want to be, they want to have that recognition. They want to be the next race Bart Moss. Yeah, they yeah. want to go down history of destroying no, the a, world. I think that's way. a great point is like, you know, they, you know, you don't just have to think like Netrunner things to bait them with items. It can also be rep based and, you know, any role, any role campaign building. If you're basing it around a role, like if, if the, if the player is playing the character well, they will want to work their rep up. It's very incorporated into cyberpunk. You know, it's a big part of, you know, standoffs or stare downs or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, it, it comes into place with people, you know, if people recognize you, it can be a positive or negative influence. So that's a great point to make too, is, um, you know, with any role, if you're a GM, uh, you build a campaign around any role, just make it fucking rep based, make it, make it motivated by something other than items and pay and, you know, uh, danger or whatever you're, the angle you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think Netrunner, Netrunner is an easy one. It's diverse. Let's, let's do nomads. We didn't do nomads. Uh, no. Yes. The sort of black sheep of the cyberpunk world. That feels well, like sometimes I feel like they're classic, dude. I feel like, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
and it's it's uh, you know it's age group based but for me you know especially because when i started and when i got into cyberpunk in the late 80s early 90s um you know mad max beyond thunderdome and all that sort of shit and like you know it's very uh Mad Max, it's it's on when I think of Nomad, it's on the verge of post-apocalyptic. It's still within cyberpunk, but it has a touch of that post-apocalyptic vibe because nomads are like coming out of the wastelands. They dress like fucking Mad Max and shit in my mind, you know, and it's because, you know, oh. the age groups and stuff, because nomads can obviously be anything. And especially in red being the key factor to transportation. And they, they they're very respectable in red, honestly. Um, but as we saw going into 2077, they have, you know, when transportation's back into play and they're not as needed in that level they kind of take up the life of crime and they're going kind of the gang route which is crazy but let's not go get into that as far as building campaigns around nomads i feel like at any point make it about vehicles about traveling about family nomads are just that's that's their whole fucking vibe and feeling and you can just make campaigns so rich about those things especially if it's about like family and what their pack needs and what you need to do you know yeah i think it, you can definitely do a lot with that I want to say, especially because nomads are the frontiersmen of this era. They are the migrant workers. They are the people who are pretty much building these networks of goods trading. Again, they are going between these places where there is nothing but wasteland, where you have these disenfranchised communities they are reclaiming. The nomads are really rebuilding society in a lot of ways that no one really thinks about. You, like, um, I, uh, I know I've mentioned it before on other podcasts about how red is just the Great Depression with cyberpunk. And the nomads are pretty much everyone who is fleeing that dust bowl. They are moving to California to rebuild, to find work. They are sort of on the outs, but at the same time, they are sort of rebuilding the society that is pretty much done. Like you have the solos of that era who were the gangsters, and now you have the nomads who pretty much were the migrant workers. And you can do a lot with them like they are the ones who can put together a city they're the ones who are going to be going into those old cities reclaiming or at least transporting people to reclaim i was just going to say like the word transport is key here because obviously in red well in red that's their main thing like they've always you know you always picture nomads regardless in the pack about family and traveling and like you said migrant workers and all that all that you picture them on you know cyber bikes and caravans and all that shit but man, if that doesn't dominate them in red, like they're all about travel and motor vehicles. I mean, look at their rollability is about uh, vehicles and all that stuff. And and it's like uh, they're they're the key to transportation. Like I said, they're they're kind of respected. Like every corporation, every fucking like government, every uh, like everybody relies on nomads. Even families, you want to move to a different city or go visit family or go do what whatever you know, a nomad will safely get you there. You know. You, they're all about the transportation. So, like, when building a campaign around nomads, especially in red, uh, man, it can – anything that has to do with traveling, like I just mentioned, that you could be hired by or infiltrated by or have to deal with maybe a, another, you know, com- com- competitor that's dealing with that. But um, it can also be very family or pack-based in the sense that um, – Maybe you're not hired by somebody to do something, but your family needs you to help them with something that has to do with traveling. But another thing that I love about nomads is they're also they're they're not wet behind the ears when it comes to the dark future. They're not uh, you know scared to pick up a weapon. Like to me, they're like that post-apocalyptic version of a solo. You know, they're that traveling solo. You know, like if yeah. if it's not based around travel and family and all that a nomad come up with a campaign that, that has to do with fighting and defending the family or, you know, if it's in red and you want to keep it honorable, like they're, they're working a good travel job and they're, they're family rep based and stuff. Uh, it, they're defending somebody maybe, you know, something like that. But, but 
the cool thing with them is it can also be, you know, uh, battle-based campaigns and stuff, and they'll still fit in. Yeah, and I think just from watching a lot of the old Mad Max, the post-apocalyptic, you have a lot to draw from. Like, you could build an entire campaign of just a red family or a pack of nomads that are just rebuilding the highways and mapping them out through California, and each place they go is a different venture with their different problems that are coming up. Like, who do they have to deal with? Do they have to deal with corporate execs that are trying to retake the land? Do they have to deal with wild bikers? Is it just a nuclear zone they're trying to survive? Like, every story option really becomes available for them and trying to survive in that world. Like, I don't think, I think uh, that the nomads, they do have a lot of options, like where solos, like, it really depends on what you want to throw at them as the GM, like what you want to build for them and what kind of characters they've already played out. Yeah. So I think, like you're saying, there are lots they can do, but it really depends on the GM of what they want to build that campaign around. It's like, they are the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Right, like how right. many horrible things happened on the Oregon Trail during that game? Who's catching dysentery tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. and But I also love, like I said, the fact that they can be combat-based as well. It doesn't always have to be that nomad motivation or, or you know, drive with a typical nomad sort of background. Like, they definitely can fit in with other campaigns just by dropping in some action or fighting or something that they need to help the rest of Like, you know, if, it, if it's a media-based thing where she's investigating a scene or it's a rocker boy on tour or whatever, like a nomad can drop into any other uh, campaign-focused role-based, you know, games and kind of handle things similar to a solo. Like they can help with security. They can help with fighting. They can drive the tour bus for the rocker boy. They can, you know, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. They, they fit all role. They can yeah. join up with just about anybody, which is, really makes them great too. Yeah, like they tough. are a catch all kind of character. Exactly. And, and, I always, they were... and I always picture they're tough, you know? Oh yeah. No, they've always been tough. I think some of their scat, their old stat lines of 2020 were about the same as solos. Like yeah. I think it was when it came to the most competent, like battle company was solos, nomads, and lawmen, and the rest from there was just like wear body armor and keep your head down. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> if you weren't one of those three, you were nearly dead half the time. Yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> I don't even think twenty twenty execs didn't even start with handgun or pistol. Right. Like they didn't have any combat abilities whatsoever. Exactly. Um, and that's that's one thing I do love about Red is just the way that you can set up characters. Like I said, it's very skill based. Like it's very real. It's very human, and it's very like skill based and it can be diverse within that and i love that um so you still oh, have like you know you still have your benefits and and uh, disadvantages based on what roles and stuff but you can play that role any fucking which way you want which is so cool about red the depth of it without going into too much detail <laughs> yeah it, 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 <laughs> that's a whole it other episode to make a nomad that is very tech heavy kind of character exactly like but that's a whole or other a lawman episode. that is a face character but that's a but whole other another... episode you know exactly can't ruin tonight but um yeah yeah so I think did we miss a role? I think we covered them, right? Uh, I yeah, one? I think we I think got all of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah. I think we got all ten of them, right? Yeah. All right, cool. So hey, here, any, so which... anybody listening, if we missed one, send us a message, uh, talk shit to us online, and let us know that we missed one. <laughs> no, talk shit to Rob online. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> He's think, better at it than I am. I think we got it though. I think we nailed all of them, and I think you know we made some some really good points about how GMs can build campaigns around each individual role and make it specific to that role, so you know they can feel uh, motivated and stuff. And I think we've also covered some things that are kind of fun uh, to consider if you're a GM, which can you know be implemented into any role, any campaign, which is you know baiting 
a lot of roles are kind of uh, more driven towards that. But, you know, when it comes to any role, you can always think of ways to bait and then make your campaign based on that. But I think another key point we make, uh, most GMs definitely be flexible, you know, set up your campaigns and they can be role based. But as it gets going, you know, players are going to play the way that their mind works and just be flexible. Otherwise, it's going to feel too uh, pigeonholed and contrived and narrow and like, you know, so, you know, base your campaigns around roles, use the tips we gave and, and have fun with it. But be flexible, make it your own and always be open to whatever players suggest and add to the campaign. You know, they're they're an equal part, if not the leads in these stories and these uh, games, you know, they're the heroes, so to speak, even though there really are no heroes in cyberpunk. Everyone is just as a death opportunist or whatever, I guess, like you're, you can die just as easy, you know, but you get you get my point. Um, yes. I, I think we covered everything and, and all the angles and made some good points. Anything else that needs to be said that I forgot to recap or mention that could be helpful uh, to GMs? I, I was I have a question for you of what team of four roles do you think would be the hardest to build a campaign around for, Rob? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. Again, I think any team that involves uh, some that are, it, it depends. It can't just be role specific, but if you had like, for instance, a solo or a rocker boy, that's super anti-corp. And then you have a corp that's super corp loyal and into that lifestyle on the same team, or you have, you know, a rocker boy and maybe a solo that are all about doing fucking black op missions and anti-corp stuff. But then you have like a straight lace corp and maybe a lawman that works for the PD, you know, pretty much anything that involves those uh, uh, contrasting moral uh, obligations that they have with that they've built within their characters. I think that makes it the most difficult, but it's not impossible as as you've seen and you've actually yeah. helped like when I've been bouncing some ideas and I can't wait to do like a good rap session with Team Spicy because I have something in store there that kind of is an example of what I'm talking about. But, you know, sometimes uh, you don't just completely stick with the campaign or stick with the dice. You kind of can manipulate a few things to to make it work and have it make sense. But I think that's the most difficult is when you have roles that are so conflicting morally and stuff. But what, what would you say? I would say a net runner, a tech, a med tech, and a media. Because they are oh, yeah. not heavily combat driven and they have very different ideals of like sort of what their main goals are. That's a great I point. I think it's going to put a lot of work on the GM of how can you tie all them together and not get them killed in one session. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, if no one can fight, if no one's like at least fighter style, like, yeah, that can, oh man, that can totally be difficult. Yeah, so that difficult. Is, is a very, <laughs> that could be, it is going to be hard, not impossible, but I think early on they're going to learn to run rather than fight 90% of the time. Yeah, yeah, because the alternative, like you, you can't make it not cyberpunk. You know what I mean? It's still fucking Night City, so like that would be difficult. Like they, like you said, they would have to learn to run because you can't avoid violence and crazy shit that happens because it's cyberpunk. It has to happen, so that would be difficult. Like a whole team of like um, pacifist techies and shit. Like you know, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, that man. could be the worst IT department ever. Yeah, yeah, totally. But no, I think we covered everything. We made some good points. Hopefully, if you're a GM out there, you know, and you you've been listening, you made note of some things and it was helpful or at least fun to listen to. And um, yeah, if there's any points that, that you come up with that we didn't cover when it comes to basing campaigns around specific roles, uh, leave a comment, send a message, uh, hit us up and also show us some support. If you're on Facebook, check out the cyberpunk uncensored group, the fan page, check out the account on Instagram. And most importantly, hit up youtube.com slash mulligan live 
and subscribe and like the videos. We post a bunch of stuff there from this podcast. I also have Game Master Tips, a whole series that I'm starting up. And uh, we also have the, the games that we stream live weekly. Um, we would love you to join us there. We do a live chat while we play, and it's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, any, any last words, Eric? Uh, I'm going to grab a can of Smash and some Continental brand kibble and call it a night. Hell take yeah. care, Chumbos. Hell yeah. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for joining me, Eric. You know I love having you on, and we'll definitely keep doing oh, more. Great, man. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, take care, and everybody listening, take care.